if you have your Bible down, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Now, I want you to notice, if you would, in the very top of the, the, the outline, conclusion of the book. This whole book starts out, you sort of have the, the life of Solomon after he was young. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings. We're going to kind of stay in 1 Kings and let you see uh, this, this book. 1 Kings, if you would, chapter 3. I want you to notice this, 1 Kings 3. And I want you to notice, <clears throat> the Lord comes to Solomon in a dream and says, ask what you will and I'll give it to you. And that's in verse number 5. And then you'll notice, if you would, in, in chapter 3, verse number 7, and now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. So as a young man, he's probably in his early 20s or late teens, and notice what he says. I am but a little child, and I know not how to go out or come in. He said, Lord, you've given me a job that's too big for me. I, 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 I feel like a child looking at this monstrous job you've given me. Anybody here ever felt like that? You've been given a job that, you know, maybe it's the, your children. I, I got this job to raise my children. I, I, I've got this job to, to be a blessing at work, and I don't know how to do it. And, and I got this job at church, and they asked me to, uh, to work in the nursery. And, and uh, you know, there's 13 kids in there, and I, I don't know what to do. And I got this job. Well, notice what he says. He says, verse 9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. You know what he said? Lord, I know I don't know what I need to know. And I'm like a child. He humbled himself. And he said, Lord, would you give me what I need to know? Notice what he would. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. Lord, give me the wisdom to know between good and bad, the wisdom to know what is right and what is wrong. Lord, give me the wisdom that I can make good decisions. Well, notice what he says in verse number uh, nine, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the Lord was so proud of him. I wonder how many of us, if God said, I'll give you an answer to any prayer you ask, would say, Lord, give me the tools to be a better servant, to be a better king for the people. The Lord said, I am thrilled. Notice what he said in verse number 10. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this thing. And the Lord said, because you asked for that, I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you wealth, and I'm going to give you wisdom, what you did ask for. And I'm going to give you fame, and I'm going to give you everything that you didn't ask for, that people normally ask for. I'm going to give that to you. Now, that's when he's young. Now, now if you would, turn over to chapter 6 excuse me, to chapter 8, and look at verse number 9. This is 1 Kings 8. And notice with me, if you would, chapter 8. Look, if you would, at verse number 9 and 10. He has just built the temple for God. This is the highlight of his life. He's at the precipice of his spiritual life. And it came to pass, this is verse 10 of chapter 8 of 1 Kings, when the Priests would come up out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. 
so that the priests could not enter, could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Now you can imagine the joy that Solomon experienced when God filled the temple and even the priests couldn't go in. There was too much God in the building. Well, then you'll notice in verse number 23. And he said, Lord God of the Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or in earth beneath who keep a covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. Now he's probably 30 years old in that range. And he said, there's no God like you, Lord, for anybody that walks before you with their whole heart. Lord, you're the great God of all the universe and you're wonderful. And you'll bless everyone that walks with you with the whole heart. Now, tell me what happened. Notice, if you would, 1 Kings chapter 11. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Now, strange doesn't mean they had three eyes and two noses. It doesn't mean they were seven feet six or three feet nine. It means they didn't know the Lord. Notice what he says. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites who worshipped Baal, the Ammonites and the Edomites and the Zidonians and the Hittites. Notice, if you would, in verse number four, and it came to pass when Solomon was old. Now, watch. We started out when he was just became king. Lord, I don't know how to help these people. Lord, I'm a child. And the Lord said, I'll help you. I'll give you the greatest wisdom any man has ever had. And he did. And it was obvious, and people around the world heard about it and came to test his wisdom. And there was no answer he couldn't give to them. And then he builds a temple for the Lord, and he's so rejoicing, Lord, you're the great God of heaven. And now he gets old. And the women that he married, and if he'd had the wrong friends, it would have been the same principle. Notice what happens. Verse 4, And it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. He was still saved, but he was worshiping with his wives so that they would feel comfortable and he could stay in their good graces. Notice, if you would, in verse 7, seven. Then did Solomon build an alt high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Amnon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burned incense and sacrificed unto their gods. What happened to Solomon? As a young man, he knew who the great God of heaven was. He said, Lord, I can't, I can't be a good king without your help. I'm like a child. And then he builds a temple for the great God, a temple that was the wonder of the world at the time. I mean, people around the world wanted to come see this magnificent place. There's no place on earth that's been built that, mat that matched that temple. I mean, it had gold inlays everywhere. Uh, it was ivory. It was a spectacular place. Uh, the old man said, uh, it, it almost, their eyes almost fell out of their head. They just 
couldn't believe what he had done for God. And then at the dedication service, he says, Lord, there's no God like you. And then he begins to marry. That's a pretty woman, and that's a pretty woman, and that's a pretty woman. It doesn't matter what she believes. It doesn't matter who she worships. I'm going to marry that one. She's pretty. And so he married a 1,000 of them. And then as he gets older, he says, oh, what difference does it make who you worship? All the gods are like the same. Uh, God, I, I know you're great, but this Sunday I'm going to go worship Chemosh. Uh, oh, oh, Lord, I, I got to spend time with my other wife. I, I'm going to worship Molech. Oh, Lord, I'm going to go worship Baal. I, I haven't forgotten you. But something happened. These strange women had worldly desires. Now, if you have your Bible, go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Oh, King Solomon, you're the greatest. That's all he heard. Oh, King Solomon, you're the wisest. That's all he heard. Oh, King Solomon, you're wonderful. And notice what happened. Verse number 13 of chapter 1, I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things are done under heaven. I wanted to know everything about everything. God gave me ability to do that. But then he said, this sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised thereby. He lost one thing, the purpose in life. He lost, moreover is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. He lost that. He got all of these things in his eyes. Notice what he said in verse number, uh, verse number three. I said in mine heart to give myself unto wine. Uh, I, wanted, uh, I wanted to drink all kinds of wine. He became a drunkard. Until I hold on folly, I wanted to laugh a lot. So he had the greatest of entertainment. And then notice if you would in verse four. I got me work, great works. I builded me houses. You'll notice there's 20 eyes in this passage. I did this, I did that. He lost sight of the great God of heaven and he only saw himself. And he saw what he wanted. The only thing different is this. <clears throat> when you take the Lord out of first place in your life, nothing else satisfies. And he lost purpose. Notice in verse number nine, so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Notice verse 10. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. There's nobody in this room that can do that. But Solomon could. Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I could do that. I believe God gave him a photographic memory. Now wouldn't that be nice to be able to read a book once and know what it says? There have been a few men that have memorized the New Testament. That have memorized much of the Old Testament and the New Testament. That, I mean, we could start reading and they could finish the chapter. Boy, I wished I had a mind like that. So I knew where everything was in the Scriptures. And yet, Solomon said, I want to know everything about everything. It wasn't, I want to know so I can better serve the Lord. It was, I want to know it so I can know it. I, I want to have these things so I can have them. And he lost his love for the Lord. 
and the closeness between he and the Lord disappeared. And his answers to prayer stopped. So he said, well, there's not really a God around, so I'll go worship Chemosh. God's not listening anymore. And that's the way the old devil gets us. So you're going to notice throughout the book, uh, the end result was, look in verse number 10 of chapter 2. Notice what he says. I withheld not from my heart any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity. You know why? It didn't matter. It doesn't matter in the end. Notice. And vexation of spirit. It grieved me. And there's no profit under the sun. What do you mean there's no profit? Silver is accounted as nothing in Jerusalem. Only gold is. You have so much wealth, you don't even consider silver as important. It's like stones. It's all grievous. So what happened? Well, you're going to notice, look in the outline. He gets the very last of the book, chapters 11 and 12, and begins to sort of, the fog begins to lift. And he begins to step back and take value of what things are important. And folks, that's what I want you to do tonight. What's really important in your life? Don't wait for the 12th chapter of your life to figure this out. He had it at the beginning. Lord, I want to put you first. And God blessed him. But the blessings went to his head. And folks, all of us in this room, the Lord's blessing us. Everybody in this room, you're blessed. Don't let it go to your head. Don't look at it and say, look what I've done. Uh, I'm glad I'm like, not like so-and-so. And so all of a sudden, he begins to look at things a different way, and nothing brings him joy. A thousand wise, and he's miserable. All the wealth in the world they could ever want, and he's miserable. In chapter three, he actually, chapter two, he actually prays to die. He's suicidal. What's the use in living? Folks, the Lord God of heaven made every one of us. And he made you for a reason. And that reason is that you could know him personally, that you could love him, and that you could dedicate your life to him in whatever he wants you to do. And anything short of that, you're going to end up looking for a different God, and you're going to end up looking for a different joy, and your joy is going to be gone. And you're never getting it back until you come back to the Lord. And Solomon, at the very end, realized in chapter 12, the 13th and 14th verse. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I want you to notice, as he's going through chapter 12, he begins to start, the fog begins to clear. Look, if you would, in in the top line. After being hopeless in chapters 1 and 2, Solomon gets to the end of the book and gives us some good advice. Uh, Notice Roman number 1. Remember the Lord while you're young and strong. Now, one of the things that happens as you get older, you don't have as much strength, you don't have as much get up and go, your mind is not quite as sharp, and you begin to back up and say, what's happening, what's going on? But you can never get it back. So Solomon, as a young man, felt like he was indestructible. He could do anything. But as an old man, he realizes, "Uh uh-oh, Something's different. Sin is winning. 
I can't let this happen. But it's too late. He can't go back to his wives. He could have. Uh, he could go back to his wives and, and burn down the altar to Chemosh and the, and the altar to, uh, to, to Baal and the altar to uh, the Zidonians, but he doesn't. It would cost him too much. It might hurt his wife's feelings. And so the Lord's feelings are my wife's feelings. I can't do it. And he didn't have a lot of joy. So he's giving us mental information here. Not necessarily heart information. Oh, it's sinking into his heart, but it's his mind. Notice what he says, if you would, in the outline. A, remember to fear the Lord. Remember to put your respect upon the Lord. Now notice B, remember to serve him faithfully. Those are the two conclusions you come to. We can get that at the end. But notice C, remember to keep a good testimony. That's in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 1. Uh, when, it, when he makes a, a great statement, listen to this. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. In other words, if you get flies in the ointment, it doesn't smell right. And so listen to this. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. He's talking about himself. He said, I've lost my good name. I've lost my good testimony. For folly here, for laughter and fun here, I, it, it cost me so much. Instead of lost my testimony, don't lose your testimony. The one you earned when you were younger. Or if you say, well, Pastor, I've never had a good testimony. Start now and build it. It's never too late. There are people in our church who have been saved in their, in their 70s and 80s and have a great testimony. But it started when they got to be 70. There was a man in our church many years ago that was, was saved when he, on his sixth marriage. And he'd been married to her for 25 years. He'd gotten saved after he got married to her. They both, both were saved. And they began to grow in the Lord. And he said, wow, I, I didn't know the Lord was the difference. And he had a great testimony. Now he had something he couldn't fix. He had five other wives back there, most of them that hated him. He said, I, 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 all I can do is say, I'm, I'm sorry, forgive me. And tomorrow's page is white. I want to make it count. And he had developed a great testimony. All I'm trying to say is it's never too late to start building that testimony, but it doesn't take much to destroy it. One little fly can begin to send forth a bad smell. You got to fix it. Notice if you would, D in the outline. Remember as you get old, you can't always do as you want. And so what he does is he begins to go through this chapter, chapter 12. And if you read it in light of a house, or if you read it in light of, of uh, getting older, uh, notice if you would in verse number two, he says this, uh, verse one. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while in the evil days come not, when you don't have all the weight and responsibility of the world, the evil days. How many of you have more weight in your life now than you did when you're 15 years old? Huh? Okay. That'd be all of us in this room. And he says, look, remember the Lord when you're young. Now notice what he says in, in, in verse number two, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, as the weight begins to 
come around the house, the darkness begins to come around the house because of all that's going on in your life. Now keep in mind, his life was darkness. He was worshiping false gods. He was marrying strange women. He was wasting his money. He alienated all of his friends. He he had alienated the country. Does anybody know why he alienated the whole country? Ken? The taxes were so high, everybody was dying in taxes so he could live the life of a king. So everybody hated him. And he felt it. And he was miserable. And so he says, notice, when the sun or the light of the moon and the stars be not darkened, remember when those days are good, when it's sun shining, nor the clouds return after the rain. Notice verse 3. And the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves. Have you ever seen? I, I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar the other day on television. How many of you remember him? Seven foot four. Uh, he, he had the sky hook in basketball that nobody could block. Uh, it was, he was a tremendous basketball player for like 18 years. He held the scoring record for all the NBA until LeBron James broke it. And notice understanding when I saw him, I said, wow, what happened to him? It was gray, kind of older, kind of slouchy. It's in this passage. Notice what he says. And the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease. Grinders are teeth. We have it wonderful in America because you can go and get your teeth fixed, or they can drill holes in your teeth and put new ones in and make them white as snow, and you can look like, wow, you got teeth when you were 16 years old. I mean, it may cost you half your house, but your teeth are beautiful. They didn't have that then. When you lost your teeth, you couldn't chew. And so he says, when the grinders shall cease, because they are few. He's giving you a picture of getting old. And now he's getting old, and that's what brings him to that conclusion of chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Now, I want to go through the outline. I want to give the blanks. Notice D. Remember, as you get old, you can't always do as you want. Elderly life is pictured as an old, run-down house in this passage. One, your teeth are fewer as you age. Two, you can't do much work because physical strength has weakened you. You'll notice uh, in, in verse number three, he says, the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened. Uh, how many have heard somebody had cataract surgery? How many have heard people have cataract surgery? How, how, how many of you are 30 and under and you've had cataract surgery? Let me see your hand. How many of you are 40 and under and you had cataract surgery? Let me see your hand. See, when you get older, your eyes begin to not work the same and it gets darkened. And that's what he's talking about. He doesn't know it's cataracts, but he's describing it. You can't see very well. We had some folks in our church recently, 75, 80, 85 years old, and said, wow, pastor, I can see now. It's wonderful. Because they got the cataracts removed. That never happened to Solomon. We live in an age of wonder. If you've ever had a bad knee and you tore up your knee in an accident or something 
and uh, you got an arthritic knee and it was pain every day and it was bone on bone. They can go in and, and cut the bone here and cut the bone there and put your new knee in and you'll have no more pain. I can't tell you the number of people said, oh, pastor, I don't hurt anymore. I've met people after people after people around this world. They don't know what that means. A new knee, what are you talking about? New eyes where I can see, no cataracts, what are you talking about? Solomon did not have the technology you and I have. So as he got older, all of these things began to compound themselves. He looked at himself and says, I've wasted my life. Oh my. The conclusion of the whole thing. Now notice if you would in the outline, uh, notice three, you can't sleep very soundly. Look in verse four. The doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. You just wake up at voices of a little bird chirping. It wakes you up. You can't sleep. Uh, anybody here that is uh, old enough to where you, it's a struggle to sleep now as you get older, you begin to notice, well, I don't sleep as well as I used to. Well, don't admit it. Don't raise your hand. But that does happen as you get older, okay? Uh, notice if you would... In verse number five, and also they, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, look at verse number, um, uh, verse number nine. Notice here, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. He said, I still can teach the people what's right. I haven't done it, but I know what's right. I can see it now. Notice, if you would, Roman numeral two, the preacher did give good advice. A, his words were wise like nails that hold a building project together. Look in verse 11. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assembly. So nails hold things together. Wise words cause us to make good decisions. They help our lives be held together by righteousness because of right words. Well, notice if you would be, we don't need more studying but more doing what we know from Scripture is right. Notice in verse 12. And further by these, my son, be admonished, of making many books there is no end, and of much studying is the weariness of the flesh. It's not time to study more. It's time to do what you know is right. Notice, if you would, and see, there will be no more end to books written in weariness of the flesh, but doing our duty is what remains. As a Christian, if you're, if you're a young person, part of the reason there's young, people, young, young youth group over there is different than in here. We're trying to teach those young people, all of them together. Look, uh, you're young now. Everything is wonderful now. You don't realize uh, you don't have the weights and the responsibilities of the world. Your eyes work well. Uh, your legs work well. Everything about it works well. Give yourself to the Lord so that you can be like Solomon as a young man. But protect your heart. Choose the right friends. Choose a godly husband. Choose a godly wife or don't get married. But listen to this. Put the Lord first in your life so when you get older, you can lay your head down on your pillow and say, I have honored the Lord with my life. Because one of these days you're going to stand before him. That's the conclusion of verse 14. Notice if you would, three in the outline, Solomon's conclusion of a whole book was simple. Notice what he says, A, he didn't follow his own advice, but he did know what he should do. Now look in verse 13. 
A, B in the outline. Fear the Lord. Notice what he says. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So all 12 chapters, he sits down. He's an old man now. He doesn't have all of his teeth. His eyes can't see very well. He can't hear very well. And notice with me, if you would, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Everything about life, fear God. In other words, respect the Lord. Trust the Lord. Put your faith in the Lord. That's what fear God means. Fear is a reverential trust. It doesn't mean walking around in agony and, and, and cowering down. Uh, it might mean cowering down, but it's a respect of God so much that you just want to please him. Fear God, two words. And then notice the next one, and keep his commandments. Two in the outline, obey the Lord's commands with all your hearts. So he's now, he's gone from the young to, to nothing, to rich, to famous, world famous, to miserable, to a thousand wise because he could never find one that made him happy because he was always picking them for himself and saying, Lord, you choose. And the end result was he gets old and the only way he can keep his wife happy because they've got wicked hearts and worship false gods is to worship with them. That's the only way he can keep them happy. And it ruins everything in his life. And so notice, God's plan is for two people to get married going the same direction. And then it can be happy. Now you both have to yield to each other and to the Lord together. And the Lord makes it wonderful. Now, I was married 43 years to Susan, and a year and a half to Janet. But I can tell you this, it's been like that. It's two hearts being united for the Lord's sake and being willing to do anything to please him and to please her or him. And yet, so many times it's so difficult for people to understand that. It's the one thing Solomon couldn't see. You know why? Because he was king. Everything was about him. Nobody has a happy marriage if it's about you. It's about the other person. It's about him. He gives lasting joy. Notice what happens. Look down and see in the outline. And this is why. Look in verse 14. For God. Now, let me go back and read verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The whole book comes down to these two verses. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's what it boils down to. And then he says, for this is the whole duty of man. Now, listen very carefully. Duty is responsibility done because it's right. Okay? Uh, if I'm the janitor of Temple Baptist Church, uh, I'm not thinking about necessarily what other people think. I'm just trying to keep the church clean. I'm trying to vacuum everything. I'm trying to do everything the way so that it's, it's perfect for the Lord's sake. And I'm going to try to please the pastor. I'm going to try to please people around me. But I'm really ultimately trying to please the Lord. So when I hear somebody say, well, this is dirty. Okay, I'll, I'll get that. Well, this, this needs to be, I'll, I'll get that. Because you're trying to please the Lord and you're trying to do the, that's the duty of a janitor. The jute, there's a duty of a wife. There's a duty of a husband. There's a duty of a pastor. There's a duty of an employee. There's a duty of an employer. And you know what? Our job is to do that duty 
out of fear of the Lord. Why? Look at verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment. That's the reason I wanted to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. I wanted you to hear it again. If any man's work abides which he have built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. There's coming a day, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's called a bema seat. Greek word bema seat. Bema seat was the seat that a Olympian judge sat in a high seat watching the games, overlooking to see everybody played by the rules. The bema seat. He disqualified people. He certified people as winners. And that's this bema seat for Jesus Christ. He's going to notice in verse number, take your Bible and refer to 1 Corinthians 3. I want you to see this verse because it ties into the last verse of Ecclesiastes. We'll close. Notice with me, if you would, 1 Corinthians 3. And this is what he was referring to but didn't know it yet. It wasn't written as clearly as it is now. Notice with me, if you would, verse 13 is the key. Every man's work should be made manifest. This is 1 Corinthians 3.13. For the day shall declare it. What day? The judgment seat of Christ. It's for every Christian that's ever lived, that ever will live, until Jesus comes back to get us. Every Christian, every man in this room, if you're God's child, you're going to stand at this judgment. Every young man in this room, every wife, every woman in this room, no matter what, you have a duty to fear God and keep his commandments because you love the Lord. You're trying to please him. And so notice he says in verse 13, every man's work should be made manifest. My work can be made manifest for preaching 4,285 sermons. Did I do them for the Lord's sake? Did I put my heart into them? Did I do them to help you? Do you notice, if you would, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's word of what sort it is. Every man's words are written in a book. Your life, your every detail are written in books in heaven. And the book on the judgment seat of Christ, your life is going to be taken and put in a fire. And all that was done, that's gold, silver, and precious stone of the previous verse, verse 12, now, if any man's work, if many men build upon this foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, and precious stones stands a fire. Wood, hay, and stubble burns up. So what's left is going to come out. So there are going to be whole pages in many of our lives that are empty because we did nothing for Jesus that day. Now, everything we can do for him that day but if we do it because it's a requirement, we have a bad attitude, um, it's going to be burned up. And it could have been gold. That's why you teach your children to do their duties with joy. That's the reason you teach your children by example and by word. That's the reason you and I do the right thing always because one day we're going to stand before a holy God 
that bought and paid for our sins. And I don't want you to stand there and hear anything but I'm proud of you. But you are in total control of your own life. And Solomon now is old, doesn't have all his teeth, doesn't have his strength, and he sits there and says, I've learned one thing. Too late for me. Fear God. Keep his commandments. I haven't done that. Because judgment day is coming. And tonight, it's just a tremendous reminder when I read Ecclesiastes 12. It's a sad, sad note. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, every reason why you did it, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And it's going to be gold, silver, precious stone. And folks, I, I, I love you tonight. I, I pray for I, I want you to be blessed of God, but I can't force it upon you. It's every man's choice. And that's what gives you gold, silver, and precious stone when you stand before him. That's what makes going home happy. I look forward in the summertime this past summer to getting off work and going home because Janet was there. And I was so excited to see her and we could do things together. And it was a joy because I loved her and things were right. And every day they've been right. What a great blessing. But every day can be right between you and him and you and others. And the Lord's going to test it one day. Now, I don't believe the Lord's going to look at Brother Downs here. For the, How many of you ever had a bad day? Anybody had a bad day other than me? You know what? The Lord's not going to look at you and Brother Downs and say, you're a crummy servant. You know why? You, you didn't do a lot of things right. You know why? Because all the things you did wrong are gone. They're paid for in Jesus. Only what's left will be discussed. But if you've only got three or four good days out of 70 years, you're not going to be happy. I'm not going to be happy. That's why you want to live every day the whole duty of man, fear God, keep his commandments because you love him. That's the whole duty of man. Solomon learned that, unfortunately, after 70-something years. But it was too late to fix it. But he did give us a book to say, don't you make the same mistake. Tonight, every page of tomorrow is pure white. Make it count for Jesus Christ. You can. Nobody can stop you. Father, would you speak to our hearts today? I pray that you'd bless as the pianist plays. Maybe there's some folks need to come and pray for someone they love that's, that's lost their way. Maybe they've lost their way. Lord, maybe they just want to draw up closer to you. Lord, maybe they want to come and brag on you a little bit. I pray, whatever the need is, as we close our service, would you answer their prayers? Dear Lord, would you encourage their hearts? Lord, speak to hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.